We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh! All right, welcome into another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed. This is Richie. I'll be joined by Brian and Spencer to discuss training camp and the start of preseason. Also, at the end of the episode, you will have the full interview of Devontae Graham when he met with the media on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I wanted to thank and give credit to Hornets for this clip. And you can view this in video form at hornets.com. Before we jump in, though, we wanted to remind you guys of our last couple of episodes that we recorded. Last episode, I gave my thoughts on some of the storylines, which we'll be talking again today about throughout training camp. And then about three episodes ago, Jacob Rude of the Lonzo Wire came on to talk about LaMelo and his path to becoming a member of the Charlotte Hornets. So, Spencer, uh, do you like the new intro? I, I had to change it because you you requested that. So I got a more up-to-date clips going on there. I like it, Richie. I do. I really do. Can I say this? There's all this exciting momentum around the team right now. You draft LaMelo, you add Gordon Hayward. Hey, Hornets and Sinclair Company, whatever you are, can you figure it out? Can, can we watch the team play now that we have all this this really exciting momentum? Can we, you know... Can we empty the pockets a little bit and, and figure this one out? Because it would really be a shame with all this excitement that nobody can watch the team, whether I spend a thousand dollars a month for ATT now or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Spencer, I'm glad you came in hot with this. Um, it was, I was planning on bringing it up at some point. Uh, Richie and I were talking about it before recording today as well. Um, yeah. It's like embarrassing that there's like one streaming option to, to watch the Hornets, one of 30 NBA teams in, in their own market. Um, the team is young and it's exciting and it's marketable because they've got LaMelo Ball. But um, there are very few over-the-top options to stream this team. And um, until you know YouTube TV and Hulu TV Live come back online, hopefully, uh, between a deal with, uh, with Sinclair, which... <laughs> A lot of reasons to not like Sinclair, but this is certainly another one to add to the list. Um, until that happens, yeah, we're still sweating out. Like, I don't know how I'll be watching the Hornets in a couple of days, and that's makes me uh, more anxious now than I sh- probably should feel. 
Yeah, and, and all three of us have YouTube TV, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have YouTube TV as well. Uh, so you guys know the news that there is no regional sports network to broadcast these games. Um, so looking at some of the options, you know, like you said, AT&T Now, we were looking into that, guys, and we're not exactly sure if it will work. But what we do know is the package that contains Fox Sports uh, Southeast is like a hundred and like. $15. So if yeah. you do want to pony up that money, you can to watch the Hornets. Uh, so we, as well as you guys, maybe you guys can research how we can watch the Hornets this year. I guess the only real way to do it is to go back to Spectrum. But again, that that takes a little bit more time. And, and sometimes you're locked into a, a two-year deal. That's something that I don't want to do. That's why I switched over to YouTube TV. So. Right. It's just like the team plays in the building called the Spectrum Center. Like we should be able to, there should be, and, and I spend a lot of money to use spectrum as my cable internet provider. Uh-huh. Um, I should have a very clear and obvious and like, I feel like efficient way to be able to access this product of which I'm in market for despite living, you know, a, two and a half hours away from, um, because there's no other way to get it because league pass just doesn't satisfy this demand because we're, Obviously, we're blacked out right. on on League Pass, and I don't know. Th- we're not going to go down this entire rabbit hole because this is a whole other discussion that goes well beyond just this one specific current instance here. But dispute between YouTube TV and Hulu TV and Sinclair and and, uh, and the Reach Sport Net- Networks and all of the professional teams that are sort of in the wind right now. But just like. <laughs> When we were introduced years ago to what streaming television and content was going to look like, it was sold to us as like a future of ease mm-hmm. and simplicity and cost effectiveness. And, and it's not that. In fact, in some ways, it's become more complicated um, and it's become more cumbersome. And, if, and in some cases, yes, there is a cost. There, there's an element Uh, of saving costs, but given how these things are tiered and how many different subscriptions you may be uh, signed up for, whatever, whatever amount of dollar amount you're saving per month, it's more marginal than it is like, than it, than it is sort of like notable. And that's just a bummer. I don't know. Maybe that happens with every technology. You're, you're sold the future as it being sort of like open and pristine. And of course it's just going to get, you know, rotten with everyone else trying to, you know, basically have a stake in the game, but it is, uh, it's disappointing to, to be at this stage and, and sort of like not know what's going to be the way to watch the Charlotte Hornets play all of their games this season, which I fully intend to do some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said BG. I, I think that for the most part, you know, free market, having more, you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen is, is a good thing. I think we're kind of breathing and living the example of when it's not such a good thing right now. I mean, there's clearly some greed going on right now. Uh, Sinclair holding a lot of things, trying to call a lot of these streaming services bluff, I I would imagine, Mm -hmm. uh, and just how much of their business is wrapped up in these, in these regional sports deals. Uh, We'll see if that gets, uh, we'll see if that gets, taken care of or not, because there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people down the river uh, in terms of being able to watch this team. And that is a huge bummer. So anyways, uh, let's talk about something a little bit more happy. Well, the last thing I'll say, and we were kind of talking about this pre-recording, I'd be more than happy to pay what five, $7 more a month. If maybe YouTube TV had some kind of like sports package where they included all the regional sports networks and stuff like that. I think that'd be ideal. Way God, to kind of yeah. Solve this. We'd gladly sign for up sure. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yes. All right, so let's let's talk about the schedule release. I know some people get into the schedule and, and breaking it down. Uh, I am I don't really care necessarily about who they play when, but let's go over this. They the NBA released the first half, if you want to call that, the first thirty eight games of the Hornets schedule has been released. The Hornets will open up Wednesday, December twenty third at Cleveland. First home game is the next game on Saturday. Uh, December 26th against OKC. And then just a couple other quick bullet points. The longest homestand is five games in the middle to late February. And then the longest road trip actually happens right after the longest homestand of six games from February 22nd to March 3rd. 
There are nine back-to-back games for this Hornets and one nationally televised game against the Pelicans on January 8th. Uh, I think some people might consider NBA TV nationally televised games, which the Hornets do have four of those. Uh, so if you want to count those, we can we can call it five, but I, I typically just stay with the ESPN TNT broadcast. In, in terms of the schedule breakdown, I mean, we can we can get into it a little bit more. But you know, my biggest thing uh, when it comes to the schedule, regardless of who they play, when it's just going to be so interesting to see this shortened off season, shortened training camp, how this team is going to turn around and, and play games on Wednesday, December twenty third, having limited practice time. So I think the first couple of games, regardless of who they are playing. And I, and I know this is the case for all teams, so it's not it's not just strictly with the Hornets. I think the first you know month or so it, it could be interesting and you know experimenting things and 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 things like that could get tricky. Sloppy basketball. Uh, you don't have summer league. You just have a four game preseason, and you're jumping right in uh, to the season. So. Other than the takeaways that I kind of bulleted out, I don't have any major takeaways. Spencer, I know that you said you were mentioning something uh, pre-recording about January. What What are your thoughts on January there? I mean, yeah, I, I think you just kind of eyeball that month, and it looks like a, a really tough slate uh, for Charlotte. Um, I don't know how much like at anybody else's place matters without fans, yeah, but I mean, we'll bring it up anyways. You know, at Philly. You know, and, and kind of that that back to back, they'll stay and play two games. They're at Toronto twice, and another where they'll stay in Toronto and play two games. Well, no, Orlando. Tampa, Tampa. They play in Tampa. Tampa. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's right. Well, <laughs> against Toronto, yeah, the, the Tampa uh, Raps. Tampa um, <laughs> you got you got Atlanta. You got Dallas uh, that month. Two against Indiana. That's when they play Milwaukee. I I, I just yeah. look at January and I say this is really tough. Now, I think that you know the from you know, 38 games or whatever it is, you look at it, they don't have any of the LAs. Uh, so that's positive. And they only have to play Milwaukee once. So, you know, you, you see a lot of tough games on there, uh, but then you get to February. And I think it's, it's like, I don't really know which game I would say the Hornets can't win. I mean, at Miami, maybe the rest of them are pretty winnable. So I think they come out of the gates tough. And I think it gets a little easier, a little smoother sledding as you get into February and early March. Yeah, it certainly feels like they could pick up two wins to start the year, right, before everything gets a lot more challenging. But, yeah, I mean, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, and Charlotte, you know, those feel like games that they could probably um, could probably win before the the pain starts to really uh, set in in the weeks after that. Uh, we'll be kind of interesting to get an early look at, you know, Durant um, in, in the Nets mm-hmm. and what Kevin Durant looks like. And, Heck, I, I don't imagine this is going to be the case, but you know Brooklyn's roster could look different too. I mean, who, who knows? But I, I kind of think that you know, we'll just see what happens with um, with James Harden. But for right now, he is still a member of the Houston Rockets. I do think these back to backs are are sort of fascinating. Like the second and fourth of January at Philadelphia, at mm-hmm, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and then as again Spencer just highlighted all these games, but. A couple, I want to say this was like a month or so ago when the ACC uh, released its men's basketball schedule, conference schedule for the 2020-2021 season. Um, I assumed they were going to have that kind of setup, right? Where, you know, Florida State would come to Raleigh and in the span of 72 hours would play NC State twice or Boston College would go to Clemson and in the span of 72 hours play the, the Tigers two times. That didn't happen. Um, it's happening in some smaller conferences, but that didn't happen in the ACC. And I was told by David Teal, who's one of the like veteran scribes that covers the league, that was not that was the reason why there was no interest for doing that, or why it was a non-starter, had to do with television, um, and that they thought, or the league, or its broadcast partners, whomever thought that having those two games back to back would be would I don't know would would make for a like a, a subpar or less good television product in some way shape or form I, I don't totally get on board with that is it because, because they, they wouldn't want to watch the second game after watching the first game is that, is that maybe 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 there's that I guess um but you know the, with these game with a lot of these games being on you know I guess a regional sports network as supposed to nationally televised maybe that's less of a thing um and look like these types of back-to-backs aren't even like 
completely foreign from like a normal NBA calendar. I mean, we've seen the Hornets play, you know, play the Hawks in Charlotte one night and then two days later, the next game they're in Atlanta for a, you know, like a, a home and home series, basically over the course of two or three days. Um, this is obviously a little different than that, but I did think that I did think that was kind of um, fascinating. And like Spencer said, just like, yeah, you don't see either of the LA teams on there. That's like, you know, the first time your eyes scan the schedule, they're probably looking for LA, you know, Clippers or Lakers in some shape or form. And um, yeah, it will, just, it'll be, it will be interesting to see how this first half of the schedule goes and how yeah. things progress uh, from there. But January schedule looks busy, as Spencer said. I'm not sure if not seeing the Lakers on there is actually, it could be a bad thing. I, I don't think when the Lakers play Charlotte, there's probably a less than zero chance that either LeBron or, or AD play, <laughs> yeah, it's good play in that game, especially yeah. this season uh, coming off the bubble. Yeah. But so now the more I think about it, I'm like, maybe we want to see the Lakers during the regular season more, but <laughs> Anyways, you you want less of the if you're trying to win, you want less of the like teams in the West that are like in like the like the third or fourth tier, you know, the teams that are like competing for the eighth seed in the West. Like you don't want to see those teams because like they're trying to win every bleeping game, essentially. And an- another thing that I, I noticed is that 20 of these 38 games are home games. So clearly mm-hmm. there's going to be a little bit of a lopsided uh, advantage there but then when you transition over to the second half of the season it's going to shift more towards the road heavy games now i'm not saying that this is going to be the case but it just came to me you know what if they what if certain teams start to allow fans back in the arena you know come march and april maybe that becomes a disadvantage for the hornets now having to play more games on the road towards the back half of the schedule i just i just literally just thought about that but i I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference and Devante today on his media call was talking about, you know, the home court advantage that you brought up, Spencer, and how playing without fans that, you know, they themselves as players are going to have to lean on each other to create that energy and to create that enthusiasm. So it's going to be very different, you know, watching the bubble versus watching them play in in Spectrum Arena without fans. I think those are two completely different things. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to have those big boards along the sidelines and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting kind of environment. And then one other thing I do kind of want to note, and with with the schedule, uh, with January, like you guys are mentioning, being the toughest month of the four months that we're looking at right here, being early in the season, and uh, James Borrego mentioned that, you know, he's not had time to install his full offense. He's not had time to practice sets as much as he would like. So it's going to be a, just a lot of learning on the fly for some of these young players. So like I mentioned before, it it could get ugly early on, but again, that's probably going to be for all the teams involved in the NBA, but especially for a young team like Charlotte. Yeah. I think for Charlotte too, with the way they want to play, which is up tempo, we'll see. They were last in the league in pace last year. So we'll see how quickly they're able to really speed the game up. But you know, when, when you insert guys like LaMelo and Gordon Hayward, guys that can grab it and, and go, I think it I think it does kind of naturally make it easy to play off of each other. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Richie, that everybody's going to have to try to do that, especially teams that are with a lot of new faces uh, to an extent. But I think that those two guys specifically uh, could make the game easier uh, on, you know, on their teammates early on, especially when you're trying to get more offense in. But you know, just from like a holistic standpoint here, that is, I'm probably the most fascinated with how, how up-tempo Charlotte actually can play this year uh, over the, over anything else. And there's so many things we could look into, but I'm really fascinated to see how quickly they can speed it up because you look at their personnel and there's really no excuse that they won't play fast or can't play fast. Yeah. The only thing would be, uh, it's funny. I, I went on a walk this afternoon and I was actually thinking about this again, just like the, the one thing that would be a uh, possible like detriment to them really being, being up and down fast is like the defense is probably not going to be that good. So they will be able to take the ball out, out of the net. Um, you know, yeah, that's a good point. Not. That's one thing, but, but to sort of like blend what uh, the two points you guys just brought up is that, a, the Hornets did have a little bit of an off-season minicamp a couple months ago, so maybe that helps assuage a little bit some of the the lack of, of run-up um, to the uh, to the from between the training camp to the start of to the preseason to the start of the regular season. Um, there's a fair amount of continuity on the roster. That's true. Like most guys now, they're most of them are young. 
and most of them are still developing, but they bring back the vast majority, mean, the majority of the guys on this roster are guys that are returning. In fact, several of these guys have been here for multiple years now um, since James Perego uh, and his staff got to town. And really the two, I, I we'll see what Nick Richards and Vernon Carey Jr. Like what their roles look like eventually. But the two only two guys like in the rotation that are new are the two guys that Spencer just brought up, which are Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball. So maybe by like some of the, the those grab and go components, those sort of ease in mm-hmm. um, maybe some of the some of the concerns with how, how you want to install a half court offense. Like if you're just doing more rip and run and grab and go with those guys, that's easier. It does help too that like those are two very smart basketball players. Yeah. It's certainly not that that certainly is a, a something in, in the favor of the, of the Hornets sort of like melding those two guys into the, the culture and the system quickly because you've got two very, very, very smart and talented and skilled basketball players that you're trying to, um, you know, matriculate into your system. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they're not going to be like, uh, a league average defense probably, but I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic about this group. Like think about it from this perspective. I think they finished before the bubble last year, they were like 23rd or 24th in defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, in my opinion, that was a, a, a big time overachievement for, from what I expected yeah. from that group. So then, I mean, really not that many subtractions. And then you add LaMelo and Gordon Hayward's really the key because now you can you can have LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, and P.J. Washington out there at the same time. And, and you got three positions out of five that you're pretty confident you can just switch across them, right? Yeah. So I actually think there's like there's a path for this team to be a top 20 defense, maybe better. Um, I don't think that's crazy. I, I know that some of the pundits will, will say oh, this will be a – a bottom five defense, but I don't see how you can say that when you consider how they performed under Perego last year. And then some of the personnel they added, which are just, you know, long versatile yeah. wings. I mean, we'll see with LaMelo. Like we have no idea how he'll be yeah. defensively year one, probably not great, but he's six, eight, he's switchable. Right, like right, right. he at least helps you from a defensive ph- philosophy standpoint to just keep the ball in front. And yeah. I think that's what Brego wants to do. So I, I think there's a chance. This is like a, a, a little under average defensive NBA unit. More Cody Martin probably helps. Yeah, you can work that into the the equation. More uh, McDaniel's probably helps in some way, shape, or form. More Cody Martin definitely helps the defense. Uh, that that is that is for sure. And uh, and I don't know. I think we I think we've we've discussed this uh, in bits and pieces over the last uh, nine months. But Miles, do you think the light was sort of like maybe not, maybe the light wasn't fully coming on defensively? At, towards the end of the season, but he was maybe making uh, on a night-to-night basis, uh, uh, you know, a stride or two here and there. You know, yeah, more, more effort, I, w- I would say, you know? for sure. But yeah, just in terms of like IQ and where you are on the floor, it, I, I didn't see a lot of progress. And he's made it known yeah. that like he he totally realizes off-ball defense is, is just not yeah. where it needs to be. And I think yeah. maybe on ball, he performs better. And I think he knows that, but clearly the, you got the off ball aspect. So yeah, I mean, he, he can make strides and, and we just got to see it in action. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys that he's not even he, he he's not a gambler. He doesn't like take chances that he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's not that he just has these moments off Space the ball where it looks like the brain just turns yeah. off for like two seconds and he just freezes. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I don't know. That's one of those things I haven't really seen that uh, from an NBA player with with like a, a physical profile like his. Like I can't ever remember really like seeing that. Like Zach Levine a little bit had that going on. Like Otto Porter had some moments. I, I think. I mean, guys that you thought had a chance to be good defenders, but that's one of those those weird traits that I'm not. I don't know how you how you shake that because I, I don't think that's like a teaching thing. I think it's just a feel thing. At some mm-hmm. point, you got to be able to feel the game, and he has such a hard time doing it on the defensive end. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, a couple other points that I, I kind of want to bring up um, in terms of you know the schedule and, and preseason. Before we get into some of the other points, uh, I, I know we started talking about transition play, which is definitely a, a big point of uh, emphasis that Borrego is talking about. But the one thing I do want to talk about uh, before we get into some of these other training camp storylines is playing time versus evaluation for these four games in preseason. It was an interesting point that Borrego brought up today that you know, playing time in these four preseason games, a lot of times can be about evaluation, uh, especially with some of those younger players or new faces. But he stressed, especially in those first two games, that he is going to, to maybe not resemble the, re- you know, the regular season playing time, but he's definitely going to have his top players play the majority of the playtime. And so you're not going to see, well, you know, based off of his words, you're not going to see Grant Riller playing out there on game one. It might be the third game of the preseason where he actually allows for some of those young players to play. So the point is, is that he is trying to get his players up to speed. And with this shortened offseason, I keep going back to this, but with this shortened offseason, you know, these players like Devontae Graham and LaMelo and and Gordon Hayward, they, they do have to play minutes together as a team on, on a game level because they haven't done so uh, since March. So that's going to be an, another interesting kind of talking point that I was kind of uh, unaware, not unaware of, but just kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, the, with this being a time where we don't have time to evaluate players, that's what Borrego says, like, I really don't have enough time to evaluate players. I got to get my guys ready for December 23rd. So they've got to go out there and play. So what do you guys think about that in terms of kind of shortchanging some of these younger players? They've not had summer league. Now they're not going to be able to play a ton of minutes in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's really, really hard. It, it makes me hearing stuff like that makes me a little worried about a guy that we're maybe going to talk about here in a few minutes too, which is uh, Malik Monk who, you know, after testing positive with COVID upon returning to camp, the only guy on the Hornets roster. Um, and, and we, we saw, we thought that was maybe November 28th when that happened. I think, um, yeah. Out for 10 days. He's got to have two negative tests within 24 hours, then two days of individual workouts. And then he could maybe, I guess it, if we have the timeline, right, maybe he could be back by the end of this week or the weekend or whatever, but you know, they're already getting into preseason games and for a, for a guard and backcourt rotation that is pretty tight at the moment um, because there's just so many guys. Um, this seems look, James Rago knows Malik Monk. They've, they've worked together for two, two plus years now. Um, but just like another, it, it just, this is just unlucky. It feels like, but just an, another thing, whether with it, with Malik, just, you know, mm-hmm. injuries, um, any of the other stuff that's kept him off the court the last couple of years and just sucks. Like I want this guy to be a part of this rotation. Um, Even if it's sort of like hard to visualize a role for him at the moment, just because there's, there's so many other guys that you have to sort of like pencil in for X number of minutes per night. 
it just feels like it's going to be, it, especially if JB is trying to hit the ground running, then it feels like it gets even harder for Malik to sort of like work himself to the potentially to like a, a consistent rotation spot. And just like it, just to circle back, if the defense wants to be better this season, um, you know, I, I think Monk is a guy that can, can help you out defensively. And if they want to play faster, like this is a guy that can that can go up and get it in transition. I mean, how many alley oop dunks did he throw down last season? Mm-hmm. Just catching missiles from Devonte and, and Terry Rozier on just flying around people on the break. I mean, he can really go up and get it. Just like he give he he gives Lamelo a target. You know, uh, a guy a, a gunner that could that could fill the lane and catch lobs and 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 really make highlight plays in transition. So yeah, that's the hearing JB saying that. Um, you know, he's going to get in and go with his guys this year. Um, yeah, it, it makes me a little, it makes, I was already a little uneasy about what Malik's role was going to be. And, and hearing that makes me, um, you have just a little bit more, uh, a little bit more concern probably. Yeah. I'm with you. I think this is not a great thing for, for Malik and his chances to, you know, build on what he ended on. Um, you know, before the before the break last season, he was playing such good basketball. And, um, I, you know, I still think there's a chance that he finds a role with this team that's, that's you know, fairly consistent. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that that's going to have to be off the bench. But, you know, you were tapping into something, BG. You know, he's one of the few guys before, you know, players like Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball that – you know, was good in transition. What, what was it was kind of a shoe and fit to to run the wing and, and make plays at the rim. Um, so, yeah, it's a bummer. So we'll kind of see on that. Definitely agree that it just seems like bad luck at this point Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with him. Um, you know, I, in terms of, you know, Richie, you know, the young guys not getting in there early. I mean, that doesn't shock me. I mean, of course, Barrio goes he would have been rushing just like every other coach to try to figure out, you know, how this team's going to come together you know, in this short of a time period in the first place. And then you bring in a bunch of new faces mm-hmm. too that are going to play big time minutes every night. And he's got to figure out his lineup combinations. You know what I mean? Like it's a good problem to have, but it's not a problem that the Hornets <laughs> have had the last few years. It's like, okay, who, who should be out there with each other? Like, I think, I think he needs to figure out how, <clears throat> how much can LaMelo and Cody and one other like suspect, you know, miles suspect shooter be on the floor together. Is it mm-hmm. some, is it not at all? <laughs> you know, like these things matter because the Hornets are seven or eight deep now. And there's a lot of intriguing pieces here, but they don't all fit together on the court at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, that's what he's really got to work through. And that revolves around LaMelo ball, right? Like if it's, if he can't play with Cody Zeller, and a Miles Bridges, then we really are going to see a lot of PJ Washington at five this season. Mm-hmm. And I think Brigo's already told us that. And I think that's great because LaMelo with four shooters and a guy who can kind of fill the five hole in defense is super intriguing. And so, like, I, I think for Brigo, he's just got to figure out what is the volume of that kind of that kind of stuff that I can um, I can unlock early in the season and trust it. And I've got two weeks to figure that out. <laughs> so, so it's yeah. tough. Yeah. You could you could even lump the like the Lamelo Devonte backcourt into that conversation too. It's like yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. How do those guys play together? Um, and and you basically the runway that you have before the season actually starts to sort of figure that out and see that how those pieces actually mesh. Very limited. Yeah, yep. I'm interested to see the Rosier Devonte Lamelo combinations. Who's starting? Who's coming off the bench? And how's that? Yeah. How that's going to look as we move throughout the season? Because We've mentioned this before, and Brian's brought it up, uh, that Devontae is probably better suited to come off the bench. But uh, with the season that he had last year, it's kind of hard to start him there. Like, obviously, he might transition his way to the bench. But as of now, I, I view Devontae as a, a starter. But the combinations, like like Spencer was talking about, there's so many different combinations that could work, uh, might not work, and JB's got to figure that out. He did mention that Cody Zeller is slated to be the starting center at the five. And then in terms of ending games like obviously you know ending games in preseason is different than ending games in the regular season but he's probably going to try out different combinations there and just looking at some of the stats from last year for the most part JB actually finished with his starters he was most comfortable with finishing with Zeller at the five and they were actually a little bit more productive with Zeller at the five than they were at PJ at the five when you ended games but 
PJ was still out there. He just happened to be at the four. So that's going to be interesting to see if Zeller slowly loses minutes because they keep talking about PJ at the five. They keep talking about these interchangeable players and positionless mm-hmm. players. And and to me, well, I guess to you guys as well, PJ is more interchangeable than Cody is. Not that Cody can't totally. guard a guard out on the the perimeter, but but PJ yeah. to me just kind of fits that bill that, that J, sure. JB keeps yeah. talking about. Yeah, I was just going to say too, like the way Miles fits it. Miles, I think is a really interesting piece. And when you, when you start talking about the PJ at five lineups and the, you know, Charlotte trying to be interchangeable and versatile and, and all these kind of lineups that they can throw out there is that, you know, part of the appeal of putting PJ at center is obviously putting PJ at center, right? Cause like he, right. he, he's an incredibly versatile player and he can score from um, any level of the court. He just chooses to not score from the mid range. And that's one of the reasons why we love him. He does everything at the rim or he bombs threes, but you know, with Hayward in town, you know, a lot of those minutes at the three and the four, um, you know, really the three, they're going to become contested. Just like if you put PJ at five, it makes it really easy then to have just miles be your four, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that's, part of the reason why those lineups are intriguing, why they're a talking point. Um, because it, it, if, if not for that, then on some of these lineups, especially closing lineups or whatever, uh, miles is getting pinched, you know, like he just yeah. will be. Exactly. This is something I've, I've thought about quite a bit. Um, because I think it, it hinges on, it, it kind of includes a few different factors. Number one, this five-man lineup I'm about to mention is, I think, any Hornets fan. You know, just for the sake of the future of the team, they would hope this is the best lineup. LaMelo Ball, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, um, maybe that one's debatable, Gordon Hayward, and uh, P.J. Washington. So not Miles. I, I don't think Miles is in there. I, I don't. Yeah. And, and that's and I'm only basing that off of, like, LaMelo Ball as the decision maker, four shooters, some switchability on defense. Let's go get it. Now, and I think that's the best for the future of this team, too. But I have <clears throat> serious concerns that would work over long uh, periods of yeah. minutes because of the defensive concerns. So what I'm getting to here is, and what I'm curious of y'all's thoughts on, what is, you added Gordon Hayward. I think there's at least a slight expectation that you win this year. But what what's James Borrego's stomach for pain with that five-man lineup I just mentioned to just keep trying it, to just stick with it, maybe not always at the end of games, but you're, you're going to get X amount of minutes out of this lineup every single night, regardless of what the stats tell you, and you're just going to ride it and you're going to develop it. What is his stomach for that versus what the expectation is to win games? You know, I, I think I thought about that a lot because I think that a lineup is important for the Hornets to try a lot and see if it works and for the develop, development of these young players together. But at the same time, I understand if it doesn't work early, there probably is an expectation from up top to bail. And so that's just something I'm watching. And I, I guess the the question becomes, because in my mind, I, I'm thinking about Miles Bridges over Rozier. I think Rozier and Miles Bridges, you know, if you switch those two out, that's an also another lineup at the end of games that on paper looks switchable. Yeah, I, I don't sure. know. And that's why I say the yeah. Rosier, yeah. that, that one's debatable. It's just his catch and shoot numbers last year. I'm just like, yeah, man, he's, he's a good fit with Lamelo. Yeah. Yeah, and he was clutch as well. So it does make sense for Rosier to be there at the end of games. I also think that Miles could be there as well. But to your question about whether or not JB can stomach or the organization can stomach a lineup that looks to be a little bit more experimental and, and heavy on some of the players that are projected to be in our future, it's definitely going to be a toss up and, and, and kind of figuring out, okay, so these players are part of our future. We're going to try some things out. We want them to play together, but also the front office seems based off of the acquisition of Gordon Hayward. It seems they got a little bit impatient and trying to push for the playoffs. So they might not have a lot of wiggle room, JB and his staff. And and if things aren't working right, maybe, maybe they can't experiment as much with small ball and they got to put Cody Zeller back out there. But but the issue with Cody Zeller could be that, you know, there's some uncertainty with him. You know, this is his last year of his contract. Does he figure to play a big role with this team this season? Uh, moving forward, is he going to be trade bait at the deadline? What, what's, what's his role moving forward with the team? Cause you look at the roster that the five people that you presented there, Spencer, they seem to be players that are going to be in the upper rotation for this team. Um, so I'm not really sure how you could alter that, that lineup all that much differently, but to your point, there, there is going to be some external factors for JB 
to probably get some things done, and he might not have the ability or wiggle room, even in a season that's so different, to experiment. Um, he might have to push for those playoffs, even though it feels like the the front office got a little bit impatient there. It does seem like there has been a lack. I think there would have been a really easy answer to this question if not for the Gordon Hayward yeah, right. trade, right? Um, that just seems to complicate whatever my... I thought I had a pretty good understanding of like, sort of like what the team was going for. Um, and that maybe doesn't completely change. It's something last time the three of us recorded a pod together, we actually sort of talked about that, but um, it, it's not identical. Clearly like there's been some sort of shift um, with, yeah. the, with the acquisition of Gordon Hayward. I just, yeah, I, again, I've just like given it a lot of thought, um, you know, mostly because there's a lot of young intriguing pieces uh, on this roster now and I know you just signed Gordon Hayward, but it's just another plea, I guess, to this franchise is like everything on the margins matters and you got to develop these young players and you got to figure out which ones work together. And you, you would probably behoove yourself to try that lineup. I mentioned as much as humanly possible, um, because don't forget, you're probably going to have a good draft pick next year and a really good draft. And you almost have $30 million in cap space. So like, yeah. let's, it's not all of it, but you're right, BG, you're absolutely right. It's so hard in the moment for these coaches. Um, to not go for it, right? And just say, we're gonna we're gonna make these kids play through this again. I mean, it's yeah. just it's so hard. So yeah. and, and the explanation I think that Mitch gave was that like he was unaware that that Gordon was gonna opt out of his contract. And he's like, Yeah, you know, he he was available. So we went after him. It, it was a player that we've always wanted to go after when I mean, we tried back in what, 2014. Uh, obviously he wasn't a part of the regime at that point. But speaking of Gordon Hayward, this was a, a kind of a talking point that I was talking with uh, JB about in terms of his shot profile. You know, Gordon Hayward lives in the mid-range, lives in the mid-range, and he's actually obviously very good in the mid-range, but it kind of goes against JB's philosophy of attacking the rim and getting open shots from three. The Hornets' shot profile was really good last year. I mean, I think they were like sixth in the league in attacking the rim and like 10th in the league in terms of frequency of three-point attempts. So, Gordon Hayward in the clutch is going to be a very interesting player because he is somebody that you can turn to late in the shot clock, go get you a bucket in the mid range and you feel comfortable doing that. But over the course of a game, I would like to see how his game could differ on this team under JB. And what's also going to be interesting too, as well, probably one of the reasons he wanted to come to Charlotte is he's now receiving a more prominent role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my guess is he'll shoot, slightly higher volume of threes, but, um, that he'll still shoot a lot of, you know, he's still going to live in the mid range and that will be in some ways that will be a benefit for the Hornets to have one guy, a big wing, right. That can, that can create off the dribble and can pass. So it can create for others, but can also go hunt a shot late mm-hmm. in the clock, um, in the mid range, you know, late in the clock, late in the game, whatever. Um, because mm-hmm. they just, they, absolutely did not have that as good as, as awesome as Devonte was. And the, the Hornets shot the hell out of the basketball in the clutch from three. Um, yeah. They did not have the, this sort of component. This is why I'm sure why they were so interested in Hayward. Mm-hmm. This like this exact sure. sort of like skill set that he brings offensively. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, it, it's a great question and a great point, Richie. And it's, it is important to think about with how this team played offensively last year, but you know, Gordon Hayward is not like a, he's like a mid range King, but he's not like a DeMar DeRozan kind of mid range King yeah. where he just freezes all other action happening yeah. around him is officially he, as he does it. I like DeMar DeRozan, by the way, I think the hate's gone too far, but Gordon Hayward, uh, he keeps the ball moving. He makes good decisions. Correct. He doesn't stop moving. Right. Like, so yeah. although he takes a lot of shots in the mid range, I think that the seesaw kind of balances out in the end because of all the other ways he impacts the game uh, offensively. So, and to Brian's point, I mean, it just, the Hornets so badly needed a guy to throw the ball to at the end of the shot clock or throw the ball to at the end of the game. That wasn't Devante, you know, pull up 40 footer, uh, you know, from, from the bottom of the circle that they went in a lot last year, but guess what? That wasn't sustainable. So yeah. it really does bolster this team offensively. And I, and I, I think the mid range shots are, are a good thing to be honest with you, because it gives them a component they didn't have and they're not going to be have to, you know, throw up bombs at the end of the shot clock that are not high probability shots. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, 
he is not someone that's going to be locked in or keyed in in the mid-range. Like, he sees the floor, so he, it's not like he's hunting these mid-range shots to where he doesn't look for cutters or anything like that. So he is a smart player in that sense. I just thought that was an interesting storyline, just kind of looking at his shot profile versus, versus JB's. No, it is. I mean, the brega has been pretty open and honest, right. About the kind of shots he wants. Like he's, yeah, he, he said like, we want, we want, we want dunks and we want threes. Um, because yeah, that, I mean, that's what most coaches in the NBA want. It's not like, you know, groundbreaking to want that, but it's, uh, it is good that, that the team can at least be open and honest about that. But I think adding a little more shot diversity to this offense is it can potentially help it. And, uh, and look, hell we'll see like what, you know, if, if what added shot creation PJ has added, I feel like that's sort of maybe like a potentially you've got to go like deep into those like Hornets Twitter to sort of like get to like the, the PJ as like a shot creator uh, type conversations. He's such a, just, I mean, he's a very good player, but really just a, a play finisher last season outside of the sort of like occasional ball handling possession that he would get when they would do those sort of like inverted pick and rolls with the, the guard ghost screen type action. Um, maybe we'll get more of that this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I do think it is interesting with Hayward and Lamelo in town that just to see how many more guys they have on the roster this season that can credibly like generate offense for you off of, off the dribble. That is actually pretty exciting considering how limited they were in that capacity last season. I even think they have guys like even someone like Cody Martin, who's, you know, obviously, you know, is a secondary guy at the absolute most, but even he has some sort of like playmaking flair. Um, and certainly Malik does too, um, in, in a couple different capacities, especially when they work those two man tandems with he and PJ. So, or yeah, he and PJ. So, um, yeah. I, anyways, I do think the the mid range component of Hayward's offense can be a boon, along with just sort of like his overall feel as a playmaker in the half court. All right. Any other thoughts about training camp or heading into regular season? I think the biggest thing that I'm just looking forward to on Saturday uh, for preseason, if I can watch the game, um, <laughs> is just to, like like Spencer mentioned earlier in the podcast, just getting up and down the court, seeing these guys fly around, seeing the interchangeable positions. A lot of times we we hear this from the coaches and how they're going to change things. And it's funny, I think a lot of times when you look at preseason, it ends up being a lot of experimental stuff, but then it doesn't actually translate over to the regular season. I remember one season where it might have been Brego's first season. I remember watching the game when they were playing up in Chapel Hill and they were pushing the pace and it just looked like a completely <laughs> yeah. different team than what they played like in the regular yeah. season. Um, yeah. So I know I know regular season is a really different uh, ball game there, but it's going to be interesting to see how they play on on Saturday against the Raptors. That, that game was against Gordon Hayward, by the way. Oh, too. you were right. You were right. Uh, I, I was I was at that game. Like I was like walking around the, like in the bowels of the Dean Dome in the Celtics starting lineup of like Tatum, Hayward, Kemba, Jalen Brown, Horford. Like those dudes walked by me, and I was like, oh man, that was when I, or I guess. Not Kemba, Kyrie. This is Kemba's uh, last year in Charlotte. God, a lot has changed. Yeah. A lot yeah. has changed since that game. That was only you know a little over two years ago. But yeah, that's uh, weird. Weird to think about. But yeah, yeah. I, my only other thought, Rich, is this season way more than others. I mean, especially with teams in transition. I think Charlotte fits into that category. That like what you see in day one and day two and in week one and week two is going to look so, so different mm-hmm. in, in certain examples with teams by the end of the season. Um, if we get that far, just, be, you know, for everything, all the reasons we've already discussed, there's just not enough time for coaches to get all their stuff in to preach philosophy enough. Um, it's going to have to be learned on, you know, you're building the plane as you fly it kind of deal. Um, but a lot of high IQ players and a lot of promise, a lot of excitement, so let's end it like we started it. Let's figure out a way to get the freaking games on TV, please. Seriously, someone we get like something has to be done about this because um, fans can't go to the games, right? Yeah. We have to be able to watch these games on television, and for there to be so few options, uh, frankly, is um, kind of embarrassing. But uh, yeah, let's just hope this gets sorted out in some way, shape, or form. And if anyone has any suggestions, um, please let me know because I'm I'm open for pretty much whatever at the moment. 
Yeah, and, and it's not the Hornets' fault. It's not the team's fault. Uh, this is a decision made by Sinclair and these providers like YouTube TV. Currently, there's no deal between the two, so you're not going to be able to watch this game. Uh, if you do have YouTube TV, uh, there may be a deal that takes place a little bit later. It may be a last-minute type of thing, uh, or there's alternative options to watch the Hornets this season. So we are going to end this episode with a 10-minute audio clip courtesy of Hornets and Hornets.com. Be sure if you want to see the video version, go to the website. But like I said, sometimes it's just easier to listen to it with Devontae Graham when he met with the media uh, on Wednesday. Hey, it's uh, Mark Virginia here with USA Today. I was wondering, what do you anticipate playing games uh, without fans here? And how do you kind of make those adjustments for that? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough at first, you know, because uh, we we really didn't experience the bubble and all of that. So, you know, it's gonna take a lot of team effort, a lot of you know, leaning on each other, um, a lot of enthusiasm, you know, especially when things get rough because you don't have that home crowd, that home that home energy, you know, to kind of rally you back. So we're gonna have to lean on each other a lot. Danny, go ahead. Devontae, Danny Thompson with the three-point conversion. You're now a week into training camp. Number one, how does your body feel? I know it's been two months off. The last time I asked you this question, you were eight uh, about six months off. How does your body feel as far as conditioning goes in? What are some of the things that have stood out to you about some of the guys that you haven't played with before? Uh, body feels fine. You know, just making sure I take care of it is a big thing. Uh, obviously, you know, I haven't done this much running and conditioning. Uh, in consecutive days for six, seven months. So uh, just making sure, you know, you're icing, getting massage, getting treatment before and after practice. So uh, we got a great, great training staff that take care of our body. And, um, you know, uh, I feel like everybody is doing a good job, you know, uh, taking a day at a time, trying to learn the offense, the guys that haven't been here, the new, the rookies. Uh, you know, we're trying to get that chemistry back together. Because uh, it's been so long, and then we got these new new guys coming in and trying to learn the offense and learn each other. Let's go to Richie and then Rick. Hey, Devontae, this is Richie of the Busby Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Um, when looking at your game moving into year three, I'm sure there's probably even more you'd like to improve upon. Uh, you have your perimeter shooting. You have your passing. Uh, that seems to be a key piece of your offense. Um, of these three uh, aspects of your game, whether it's rim finishing, your floater game, or your mid-range game, which one do you feel the most confident is going to make the jump next season? Uh, I think my mid-range, uh, just being more confident, even taking that shot. Um, but I've been working on all of them, like you said, just trying to be more efficient, uh, you know, make the defense have to respect expect me inside the perimeter and not just try to run me off uh, thinking that I can't, you know, finish around the basket or shoot mid-range. So I think definitely the mid-range is going to be uh, better than last year for sure. And then and a quick follow-up. I know you guys are practicing as a team now, but what are the challenges of trying to develop that mid-range game when you're only playing one-on-one? Uh, uh, I think I think it kind of made it, made me work on it a lot more. You know, just just being one on one, starting at the elbow, and only having two dribbles. So you know, you you actually getting more reps, more more live reps in the mid range game. You know, kind of like watching CP and you know him isoing at the at the elbow, trying to you know imitate that and, and get those reps. Thank you. Let's go to Rick. AJ, specifically now that you've been practicing with Gordon for a week. What what do you notice about his game up close that can be a significant asset to this team going forward? Rick, where where your face at, Rick? <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long you don't wanna you don't want to put your face. Oh you you don't you don't want to see me in the same sweatsuit from the same Okay. Uh man Gordon's a good player. Uh you know you see it every day. You know he, his IQ is there. He can pass the ball and obviously he can score the ball. Uh, and this mid-range game is really tough. And he also, you know, playing the pick and roll, um, coming off, knocking down that three-pointer, coming off, you know, being patient and finding the open guys. Um, so, you know, it's, it, overall, I feel like he's been – he's definitely going to boost us up offensively. 
the word connector has often been associated with him. Do you see him as somebody who has an opportunity to integrate other pieces more effectively? Uh, what do you mean? I don't want to answer that question. I, I just, I just remember like when they, when they signed him to the offer sheet in 2014, Rich show used to, you know, when we would ask him, what is so appealing about Gordon? He said, that's, this is that connector player, the guy who makes really good decisions with the ball, the guy who can really facilitate other people in a way that other people's skills may be amplified by, by him being playing with them. Yeah. I, I, with this, I mean, simpler terms, he's just easy to play with. He, he guys like to play with him. Um, I could tell that already. I like to play with him. You know, like I said, it just makes it makes it easier on you. Um, he attracts a lot of attention. So, you know, guys are attending to him. And then, you know, we get back doors or we get, you know, guys shifted off the nail too far and guys are getting easy shots just because he's coming off a of pick and roll. So, you know, and, and he, he knows what he's doing and he talks, he talks to you. He tries to help you out. So I see like, yeah, he definitely helps people connect and play better. That's exactly what I was curious about. Thank you. Let's go to Sam and then Rod. Hey, Devontae, hope you're doing well. Um, with a preseason game coming up on Saturday and you guys haven't played in nine months, at least a full regulation game, is your approach to this preseason game different than in years past? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just want to go out and, and, you know, push myself, see where I'm at, you know, uh, conditioning wise, obviously work on the things that, you know, we've been working on this past week, uh, you know, just making sure guys are, are learning the offense and we're playing together, playing well, facing all that little stuff, you know, that that's really going to matter. But a lot of it is just going to be what we do defensively, uh, not so much offensively because that's going to come. Uh, but if we could be good defensively early, I think that'll help us a lot. And just a quick follow-up, I know it's been nine months. We've talked a lot about the lot having not played. I mean, just as a basketball player, how excited are you to go out and face a team that's not the Hornets and in just a real live game competition, even though it, it is a preseason game for now? Uh, super excited. I couldn't believe it uh, that it was so quick. It came, it came super fast, but uh, definitely excited to get back out there and be playing against other guys instead of my teammates. Thank you. We'll go to, we'll go to Rod and then last question with Jason. Hey, Devontae, Rob Boone here. Just wondering, you mentioned earlier uh, the, the new guys having to pick up the offense and stuff, just trying to figure out the offense and just system-wise what you guys trying to do out there on the floor. LaMelo, obviously one of those guys, he's a young guy coming in. For somebody who's been there just for a couple of weeks, what kind of challenges is it for him to pick this stuff up fast enough to be able to go out there and do what you guys want him to do on the floor out there as well? Uh, I feel like it's going to be challenging for, for any rookie, you know, just be thrown in in the offense. Uh, but one thing about Melo that I noticed, he, he asked a lot of questions, like a lot of questions, which is a good thing uh, for a young guy, you know, especially trying to learn. You're not just getting all this information and then, you know, just trying to process it all on your own. You're actually asking for help. So uh, real coachable. So, you know, I'll be, I be trying to talk to him and, 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 you know, make sure he know the little things and, if this happens on pick and roll, what he should do and what he should be looking for and stuff like that. So we all been in film together. Uh, well, me, him, Gordon, and Cody, you know, we do it in groups. So, like, we all just we, – we be talking to each other a lot about it. And then for you, as a third-year guy now, you mentioned helping him. What is it like to be able to be in the position you are right now to be able to help younger guys when a couple of years ago you were being the person who was being helped, so to speak, out there? Yeah, uh, you know, just doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, when I came in, I had people helping me. Uh, you know, so it's what's best for the team. You gotta, you gotta try to make everybody improve as quickly as possible, especially with this short, you know, season we got short uh, training camp we got into the into the season. So you know, we're trying to get everybody on the same page. And the quicker that happens, you know, the quicker the quicker we grow, the quicker we get better. And hopefully win games. Thank you. Hey, Devontae. Jason, and then we'll have Coach. 
Thanks, Brian. Uh, hey, Devontae, it's Jason Brown with Spectrum News One. You you touched on some of the things you'd like to see individually from yourself in this first preseason game and, and the team from a defensive standpoint. But win, lose, or draw, what what is what do you hope to to see from this team as a whole after this first game? What would you ideally like to see? Like, okay, we've been working on this for a few practices now, and we're starting to see some progress in what area? Uh like I said, it's defensively. We've been drilling it defensively, you know, just being in the right spots uh, is a big thing. Like, you're not going to get all the stops. You know, guys are going to make shots, obviously, it's the NBA. Um, but, you know, just that uh, being in the right spots, helping each other, you know, uh, making the right reads defensively, communicating, uh, which is a big thing in our defense. So uh, all those little things. Uh, that's ultimately in the long run is going to make a good defense week. All right, that will do it for this episode. Uh, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to share this on social media. Hope you guys have a good one, and we will see you guys next time. You're good, Devontae. You can go back to the locker room. Yeah, be easy, man. Thanks, Devontae. Hey, Richie. Thank you. Yeah, what's up? Where you get that big R from on the back of your wall? I need one of those. Why would you need an? I don't know where I got it from. I can't, I can't tell you where. Need a D, obviously. Not yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell you where. I couldn't tell you where. Light up? Huh? Yeah. It it, well, up? the battery's out. The battery's out. But yes, yes, it does light up. You can't have an R that lights up with dead batteries. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I overused it. Overused it. Next time, next time I come on, I want to see the R light. <laughs> All righty. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.